Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. Oh my gosh. Like we're already, we're one second in and I'm like laughing hysterically, but I'm so excited for this episode. I can't wait to introduce you guys to Shalane and Samuel Watt. They are already killing me. Um, I was lucky enough to be on Shalane's <laughs> podcast a few weeks ago and, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about some of those embarrassing moments later. But for now, I think the thing I'm most excited to talk about is your international team and also what Google ads can do for our business, as well as just your journey as business owners and leaders. So if you are interested in this, then keep listening because this is going to be really fun. Um, Shalane, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, like, you know, the fun stuff, not just the like, I'm a business owner stuff. And then we'll move on to Samuel and hear it in his words, too. (laughs) We'll barely even talk about how I'm a business owner today. Um, No, my name is... Shalan, if you guys didn't catch that. Uh, I live in Washington State in a little bowl of sunshine called Yakima. We love it here. Um, I like to travel. I have a little bit of an obsession. No, a lot of an obsession with cleaning. I'm a very clean person. (laughs) If I'm stressed, you can catch me vacuuming. I found out the other day that my mom prayed for my cleaning gene to kick in when I was three years old. So careful what you pray for. Uh... (laughs) We'll, we'll leave that one there. Um, I actually am very obsessed with building businesses. I'm a very industrial-oriented person, so nothing gets me going more than building a business and creating value out of nothing. And I don't know. I, I don't really get this question a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all I got for you. I want to hear Sam's answer. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about yourself. My name. Again, if you did not catch it the first time, mine is Samuel. And I am originally from Scotland. And I've been over in the US for, I think, about four years now. um, Since meeting and marrying this absolutely lovely lady with me here, Shalan. He just wanted a house cleaner. (laughs) I did succeed in finding an excellent house cleaner. Because Shalan, as she says, is very, very good at cleaning. When we're not cleaning or working, um, am I even allowed to say that these days without getting cancelled? Yeah. But yeah, she, like Shalane really is good at cleaning in her own right, independent of what I have to do with it or not. Oh my gosh, stop it. I love being a domesticated woman and an entrepreneurial woman. You can do both. And well, he's very domesticated. He bakes cakes. He gets ooh. me flowers. He does the dishes. I mean, everyone needs the Sam model. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, the primary reason for the marriage is the yeah. cleaning. <laughs> oh, yeah. it, it does. It does help. It helps for both people in the relationship to be clean. Um, but yeah, the cake thing's interesting. The more stressed I get, the more I bake cakes. I baked a lot of cakes this time last year. It was a dark time. Um, but cake makes everything better. So that's something that I occasionally like to do. Something that I'm a lot more passionate about. Uh, is being in the outdoors, adventuring, 
Um, I'm a particularly passionate mushroom hunter as well. And so when <laughs> Shalana and I were back in... That's... <laughs> That's such a funny sentence. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I love hunting mushrooms. It's so interesting. And I love showing people the world that is underneath our feet because they're about six miles of mycelium network. That's the main part of a mushroom. What you mainly see is the fruiting body that pops up. We've got six miles of that underneath our feet um, all over the earth. And is absolutely incredible. And all of life on this planet depends on it. And six miles deep? Six miles deep under our oh. feet. is this like deep web of mycelium. It's this sort of white stranded stuff. It looks like a... If, if you were to like look under the earth, it's, it's like a webbing and it's like a deeply connected system and it all talks to each other. Did you um, watch The Last of Us? I have not seen The Last of Us, no. Oh my gosh, I can't be- I literally can't believe this. Like, we have to reschedule this recording and talk about The Last <laughs> of Us. It's literally all about mushrooms and all the people that are get infected with this fungus that is like go- it travels through the earth and it all ca- all the zombies like communicate with each other and oh, you have to watch it. Like you would love it. It's pro- you probably find of- some scientific problems with it but it's, it felt the, convincing <laughs> the legitimate um zombie fungus is called no. cardiceps it's a type of mushroom and it's actually really good for you i have it in a tea sometimes it's it's good for stamina um i drank a cup oh. of cardiceps tea before i swam across the lake a couple of years ago and i'm sure it helped i don't know if it did but it supposedly it helps with stamina but the weird thing about it is it's a it's a parasitic mushroom. So there are two things that it can be a parasite of. You'll often find it growing out of a truffle, which is another kind of mushroom. Um, and it latches onto that source of energy. But the really creepy one is, and I can't remember the delivery method, but I think it's the spores that get into ants. And then this ant will like go and they think they're getting food, but the cordyceps is actually implanting itself into them. And it possesses the ant and the ant gets possessed by this mushroom <laughs> and this is real like you can go and see videos of this and the ant climbs to the top of a tree the tallest tree it can find and then the mushroom grows out of its head and the spores descend <laughs> on the forest floor and that's how the mushroom gets its reach so anyway wow. that's a little bit about us <laughs> i hope that was entertaining <laughs> I mean, there's just so there's just so much to talk about. Okay, so I want to know how. I mean, we gotta. I I I'm actually speechless <laughs> because I want to keep talking about the mushrooms, but like I know that's not like why we're here. So. This is my homework for you guys, the Watt family. You must go and watch The Last of Us, and then we'll have another episode where we can talk about all the things that were wrong with it, because there's so much in there that is relating to this conversation. I literally can't deal with it. Also, Pedro Pascal is the daddy of the internet, so I'm interested in your thoughts on that as well after watching the show. But regardless, so how does Google Ads... uh, How do Google ads compare to uh, spore mushrooms? No, I'm just kidding. Although there is some similarities. Why do people Um, want to use Google ads? Like why? 
so sorry to interrupt. Why did you guys start this business? Like, how did it start? How did it get going? Everybody's so entrenched in like the meta and the Instagram and Facebook. And I'm sick of that crap. Mm -hmm. So like, tell me how you guys started the business and how we got here today. Really good question. Uh, It's a very weird one as well. Now, when it comes to any sort of marketing, I like to tie sales into it because marketing without sales is, it just doesn't make sense. And so I do come from a very strong sales background. I've sold everything under the sun from computer repair services to websites to um, bicycles. And um, when I came over here to the US, it was whiskey. I sold a lot of whiskey. And how I did that was very strange. So what I did was I filled my bag, my duffel bag, with as many bottles of whiskey as I possibly could. And I just brought it all over. I brought as much whiskey as I possibly could. And, you know, of course it was under the legal amount of alcohol I could bring over. Of course it was. Um, Definitely, 100%. Um, Once I brought it all over, I started to look for customers for it because... Apparently, there's nothing people like more than buying whiskey from a real Scottish person. It really (laughs) adds some extra magic to the purchase. So I was pretty successful with it. I remember one bottle, that was the first bottle I sold. It was a 30-year blend bottle of Dures. And it was the first one to go because it was so rare. Um, I've never seen one since. Um, And someone bought it for $600. And I thought, wow, this is... This is amazing. This is great. That's like accommodation and food for the next few weeks and perfect. (laughs) Wonderful. Um, And I had all this whiskey and I had been planning on traveling and I had been traveling in the US, meeting up with entrepreneur friends, going to conferences and spending more time with Shalan, who I'd been dating long distance for a while by by then. Now, when I just about sold all my whiskey, I... (laughs) I, I didn't have much runway left and I had one bottle of whiskey left and, you know, it would have been very nice to have sold it, but I didn't. Um, what I did instead was I served it at our wedding because we got married. And that is the story of how whiskey started to turn into digital marketing because while that's wonderful and romantic, um, the, the downside was I had no whiskey left to sell. And so I needed to figure something out. And... I'd started to get engaged with digital marketing just a little, and I knew from some of the conferences I'd been to in the last the few months prior that there was massive demand for it. Loads and loads of people really needed help with it because there are a thousand things you can do. It's always changing, and it's a full-time job. So I knew there was demand for it, and it fascinated me. Um, I had done a lot of programming by education with my degree, uh, but that was just so cerebral, you know, it was like too too much in the brain, you know, and I have a creative flair with what I like to do. And marketing opened itself up as this wonderful avenue of creativity, but also taking advantage of some of the technical skill sets that I already had. So I started working on all sorts of projects and that's how it began. I worked on website development, I worked on SEO, um, and then also paid ads. And where I really started to dial into the advertising side, the paid advertising side, was with projects like SEO, it would take months to figure out what's working and what's not working. And SEO was great. I don't bash it. It's a very good part of a digital marketing strategy. But as soon as I started to see people's results from Google Ads, and that's where my primary focus was, 
it was incredible because you've got this tool which has never before been available to humanity where you can have real-time market feedback within days of what's working and what's not. And not only can that get you good business results in the short term, and of course that's always the win that you want when you're starting out, uh, but in the long term it really guides your entire business because you get inside the heads of people who are searching for the service and solutions that you offer. And people trust Google more than they trust their doctor when it comes to, you know, symptoms and things <laughs> like that. So you better believe that people are turning to Google when they're making their buying decisions and trying to find solutions um, to problems that they're facing in other areas of their life as well. And that's the inherent power of Google. Now, Kira, you'd mentioned social media, Facebook, Meta, all of that stuff. And Facebook and Instagram are phenomenal places to advertise as well. I don't specialize in that. I can't speak to that too much. What I can say, and this was surprising for me to find out, is that there are twice as many people advertising on Google than there are in the entire meta ecosystem that includes Facebook, Instagram, everything under that umbrella. Wow. So I think at the time I did this research, it was about 4 million advertisers on Google versus 2 million in the meta ecosystem. And I thought, wow, that's a huge difference. Of course, both platforms are being used a lot, but why is Google so far ahead here? Um, why is Google being turned to by more businesses? And the reason is intent, because you can target just about any words in the English dictionary. And that means you can target really high intent keywords, um, which means you can meet people right when they're ready to buy exactly with the solution that you have to offer. So that's a bit about how it started. I could keep going, but you might have some further questions on that. Yeah, that's so interesting. So di I, this is sort of more like leading into Shalane's kind of piece of things. But so you were dating this guy. He's a Scottish guy. He comes <laughs> over to the U.S. Yep. with a bag full of whiskey. And you're like, that's the guy I'm going to marry. <laughs> so <laughs> were you guys long distance for a while and then you met up in the U.S.? Or like, how did... I'm like, so I think it's relevant to like the way that you guys decide to build your business. But like, is that like, where, where's your story fit in there? Yeah, so we met in February 2018 on a Skype call when Skype was still a thing. We met through my brother. Um, at the time, we were both just not interested really in relationships. We'd both been burned quite a lot. And we're like, nah, let's just focus on it. We were both building our individual businesses, separate businesses at the same time. Um, and so then we just started randomly messaging in May and we just developed a friendship for like seven months. And of course we were both sussing it out a bit, but like we kept it really friendship based and we just had so much in common and we never stopped talking. Shalan wouldn't get on a call with me for months. Oh, the first time <laughs> we had a video call was a Facebook live about inbox zero management. It was the only way I could get on a call with her. It was ridiculous. Unfortunately, it's still on Facebook. Please don't go look this up. Oh my God. But like that. <laughs> I was, was like, <laughs> it was professional, you know, we're, we're both young entrepreneurs. I was on my um, second or third business by then he was around there as well and then I just happened to be going to Scotland in November on a trip with my roommate and we happened to be staying 10 minutes away from where he was living and when we met it was that gut feeling 
love at first sight. It was crazy. It blew me out of the water to the extent that like we pretty much started dating four days later and I am a very logistical organized person and I didn't even take into consideration the you know the fact that we live 4,000 miles away from each other. So we were long distance of course. We hung out in November. I visited him in January. He was gonna come over for a little trip in March but then he already had a conference he wanted to be at in um, was it May or June and he was like how about I just come for like three months and I was like great and then I start getting pictures of him selling all of his stuff and I'm like oh my goodness so we're like <laughs> I, I like hit me like okay he's he's in this like he's really in this and you were wrapping up a business you were starting or that you were running too and so and so was I I was in the process of selling a business so our whole future just was kind of like undefined on the business or financial front um, and yeah, I very quickly realized you were planning to live off of whiskey sales and didn't <laughs> have certainty about what was next. And that definitely showed me a lot about your personality. And we oh, had a I'm lot sure of conversations <laughs> about it. I'm like, so what's the plan? Um, and yeah, <laughs> I think how it's relevant is like, so what would end up happening is he would start his digital marketing thing. I would sell a business and start another business. My business would go out of business because of COVID. I would take a couple months off to get my head straight because I had been doing the entrepreneur thing for like nine years at that point with no breaks. And then he and then I couldn't do that and so I was really curious about what was happening with him in his business so I kept just kind of asking him questions and helping him here and there and then finally we decided in September of 2020 to incorporate Watt Advertising in the U.S. and officially become business partners um, a year after we'd gotten married and we did we knew we'd run a business together but we didn't think it'd be that soon and we knew we were compatible, very compatible in a friendship and in a marriage, but we didn't know how it'd be in a business sense. And luckily, we are complete opposites, and his strengths are my weaknesses and vice versa. So it works really well. Not saying it doesn't have its challenges, but like out of any business partner I've had, this works the best. Um, and it is because he's the visionary, he's the creative thinker, He's the the CEO, and I'm much more of the integrator of that vision. Um, and so it's been a transition because, like, I had always been in the CEO spot before. And um, so it's been a change on that front. But, like, it's it's been an amazing journey, especially, you know, finally, you know, together <clears throat> we had, yeah, together we have now about 22 years of business experience because we both started businesses very, very young, like 15 years old. And um, so together with all of that experience, Watt Advertising has been our experiment of essentially implementing the cream of the crop, top 20% principles we've learned to really build a business that we love based off of our values and um, also based off of integrity and bringing a team in to support that as well. 
Uh, so our business is completely online, completely remote, which, you know, before 2020 would have been a lot crazier than it is now. But we started it like in the pandemic and we were like, this is what we want. Um, our team is based all over Canada, UK, Italy, um, hiring a few people also in the UK, actually mostly UK based, which is interesting. Um, and they're all aligned in our values and love it. And it's, it's been an incredible journey. And that decision to bring in team members, was that fairly quickly after you guys decided to become one entity and not just in your marriage, but like in the business or <laughs> what was that decision making like? Cause you, you already have to deal with having a team member when you're just starting like as a yeah. as a founder that's a unique experience i think mm -hmm. a lot of entrepreneurs a lot that listen to this podcast are really scared of even working with another person on their business and you guys started that way so i'm sure that there's similar mm -hmm. there may have been i don't know was there more or less hesitation to bring another person into that circle i was pretty hesitant to start with um i'm remembering specifically our first hire um who's still with us his name is john he is our client success manager. He's like the glue between us and our clients. He's so good with people. Um, he's definitely in the right seat in our business. Um, and when he came onto the team, I had started to think, right, I might need some help with the actual management, like the hands-on. Well, because you were doing... I was doing I was much. like running the back end and he was doing everything else in terms of the deliverables. So any account work, anything like that. And we um, started in September and we grew pretty fast as, you know, you usually do when you first start a business, there's like that boom, right? And we knew we couldn't keep growing if he was in the doing seat all the time. And so it was scary though, because you're committing to, you know, supporting another person. We didn't have any systems yet for yeah. training or anything. So it was very much startup building it as you go. Um, but essentially, I think as a business owner, you have to decide what do I need to get the next result I'm aiming for. And for us, we needed Sam to be able to work more on the business versus in the business. And that's why we originally decided to hire for that first seat, which was a Google Ads specialist. He, Our team member, John, didn't start out as a client success manager, um, but we like to hire. And I think this is a good rule of thumb I think hire as a small business, hire people maybe for, you know, at first an initial role, but hire people who you can see the potential to grow with the company and go into bigger, fuller roles of leadership in the company. And that's what we've done. And it's worked really well. Yeah, that's awesome. And there was there had to have been moments during, you know, you mentioned you didn't have the training or the systems built out. And that, I mean, people are always surprised to hear that I'm like, good. Like you, when you're bringing in your first team members, like it doesn't, it's not supposed to be perfect, actually. Like we want there to be a lot of fluidity and like bring people in to help build things with you, you know, that kind of a thing. So I know now, like just based on our conversations that you have a lot of those systems built out and it's easier to bring people in and it's lower lift and all of that. But how did it work? Like, what were some of the positives of bringing John into this role that wasn't necessarily fully fleshed out from top to bottom? And how did that decision impact how those systems were built? Well, probably the, the best benefit was I stopped 
working 80 to 90 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, when you're trying to look at things in the long run and try to build the next one to three years of the vision for a business, if you're working that hard, it's really hard to do it with with a clear head because you're just so close to operations, you're so close to what's going on with clients um, that you don't have the space. And so that space was immediately helpful and immediately started to um, help with me working on higher, sort of higher level clients. So clients that were higher ticket, that were higher quality. And so we got, I was able to pull everyone out of the minutia a little bit more from working with, you know, lower level clients. Um, as a result, so that's probably one of the main immediate benefits but that, on a, that I experienced. Yeah, but on a systems front, in terms of like the benefits of not having those systems in the first place, I think it's only a benefit if you hire someone who's aligned with your company values and the vision of the company. Because if you have that in place, then that first hire can help you evolve those systems in the right direction. Um, and John, luckily, we, we completely lucked out with him. Sam and him have known each other for like 10 years as like kind of more close at sometimes, but more like distant friends, literally. You know, he still lived in Scotland at the time. And so the first thing I, I did when we were about to hire was like we got clear on our company values I was like, I just need a, a rendition of these. And then the second thing I did was create an employee, um, or we call it our team experience map. And it's essentially just to establish the culture of the company and basic SOPs and basic, you know, how we communicate, how we interact, like really tangible things. Because I figured, you know, even though I don't have all the nitty gritty training things done yet, if I can at least lay the foundation, then we can go from there. And and we have gone from there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what I would say is the answer to like the benefits of, of not having it all together right away. Because that's also unrealistic. If you create systems or try to have it all together before you have, you know a team member, you're going to have to recreate them most likely. So, so there's a a fine balance. Yeah. And now how long he's been with you guys since the beginning. So it's been at least a couple years now. Yeah. Nice. And what have you translated from that experience to now you have multiple people on your team? So in bringing that first person in, how have you translated that experience to finding new people? And I know we come back to the values a lot, but even in the personalities, like how have you decided to choose those people? And it's interesting also that they're all international. So what kind of fed into that decision? Yeah. It's a good question because it's really hard to hire the right people. Like, mm-hmm. I've always been in a personnel seat in every business I've owned because I'm very passionate about it. And I think you get better over time. It's like a muscle you have to grow at choosing the right people. And I really think the key thing is is the values, as you said, but also the gut feeling because if I always hire off of character versus skill. A lot of people we've hired have not had, like John, for example, he didn't know how to run Google ads. He'd never run, well, 
he sort of dabbled he'd in it. been he had a marketing background but he didn't know how to work the actual tool right yeah. so it was a, a risk for us but we trusted him as a person and we knew with that we could build something great with him and now he's he's essential to the business he's in a leadership role um and so with other hires that's kind of been my rule of thumb like there's all sorts of nitty-gritty interview techniques and um, one interview question that is my tried or true that you can tell so much about with an individual is this one and I say okay if money if time if resources if none of that was a limitation where do you want to be in five years where do you want your career to be what do you want your lifestyle to look like tell me your vision if there's any sense of hesitation if you can tell that they've not even thought about that, about the vision for their own life, then they're not going to be able to have a vision within your company for anything for the most part. Like, and I've tested this across hundreds of interviews and hires. So it's really interesting if someone comes in your company and they're just there to, to get paid or to... Um, I don't know, fill a gap until they find the right thing. I don't think those are the people who are going to be with you for the long run if you're hiring for the long run. Um, So that's a good, just tangible takeaway. Yeah, it's so cool. And I know you have people in Italy too, and everything in your business is remote and Mm -hmm. asynchronous. So was that one of the values that you kind of started out with? Is that like value of flexibility, like being two entrepreneurs, I'm sure? that it drives it a little bit. You should talk about lifestyle business. Yeah, so it wasn't, it's not actually part of our values. Like we don't have say flexibility, for example, as part of our values. We do have it as part of our general culture though. Um, And it was a bit more of an accident that we were a fully remote team because- I don't think so. Well, I think think that it might not have been (laughs) fully like that if we hadn't started like right before COVID Mm. because it meant that it meant that it was just always a bigger part of the conversation with everyone that we talked with and also you know in the middle of COVID you couldn't go and like hire people from a job fair or something like that you couldn't so you needed to do all your hiring online which is exactly what we did that's why I say that I think it some of it wasn't um completely out of choice but it has worked out really well and and we, we've seen businesses um, that have tried to adapt to the remote working, um, having been completely in office to start with. There have been some struggles with that. And it felt like we sort of leapfrogged from any sort of hybrid solution right into fully remote. And it's something that does happen to work very well for our business. Um, it doesn't work for some business types, um, but for us, where everyone can do the work from just about anywhere, it does work very, very well. And we have been very intentional about it being a lifestyle business rather than a, you know, 100 hour a week performance business type thing, um, which is one of the reasons it was good to bring on team to help us uh, make it sustainable for us um, and to grow over the long term in a sustainable way. So where we've been really intentional about that is we want everyone on the team to be able to have their adventures in life um, instead of the very old school way of just stacking up retirement years at the end of their life when you know, you're know you older and less healthy and can't enjoy it as much. So we've got a very creative um, vacation policy, for example, where people can take 
just about unlimited breaks as long as they cover their responsibilities and delegate out to other team members and have their other team members back um, when their team members actually want to go on adventure as well. Um, and that's worked out really, really well. And that's helped us maintain that flexibility. It's helped us maintain our team culture. And it's very aligned with everyone who has come into our team. Um, it's been very natural and people who are a good fit with our team typically value these things more than like stability for example flexibility is more important yeah i love that a lifestyle business that's really cool and i know in working with you know kind of this wide range of personalities and growing fairly i mean really fast you've grown super fast over the last few years um what are some of the experiences that you've had and this isn't necessarily a comment on remote work or anything because that's just kind of what we do now um but more so in the management of yep. the team like have you noticed anything super different about having to have difficult conversations with your team members that or lessons that you've learned along the way or just you know kind of complaining about it a little because it kind of sucks <laughs> everybody has to have difficult conversations and how have you navigated that especially in a partnership oh with us yeah or <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, okay. with you guys oh. with you guys and each other with you guys and your team just there's so many mm. opportunities for friction in a fast-growing environment and i think you're kind of in a partnership you're kind of like speaking for both of you or maybe not i don't know tell me about it that's a very loaded question because <laughs> it's it's pretty complex um, because I well, okay, two fundamental things that really help with the hard conversations are very clear um, position descriptions for every role that are signed and agreed on by us and by them so that if there is a problem, you can literally point to what expectation was agreed upon. And so that's the first thing. The second thing we do, this is all just proactive maintenance because I believe if in a culture you're proactive about this stuff, then you should avoid the majority of fires. Um, so the other thing we do to be proactive is once a year, we do team performance reviews. We do them, everyone does them. And you review yourself and they're pretty comprehensive. They're based off of position descriptions and team culture and values. Um, and so you interview yourself and then your lead, uh, so whoever's your lead, they do a review of you. And so everyone's getting reviewed and then there's a meeting to talk about that. Um, and it's very much, we've really tried to instill the culture that we have within our partnership and our marriage of like, how can we be 1% better every day? And a lot of this comes down to like who you hire, right? That's why they have to be aligned with your values. But our goal at Watt Advertising is that everyone's collaborating at such a seamless level that it feels like we're just all swimming together. Every single team member, even if they're an admin assistant, is collaborating with someone who's, you know, technically two leads above them. But we don't really view it that way because we're all collaborating as a, as a team. And we also, you know, go out of our way to have team happy hours. We also go out of our way to once a week have a full team check-in. It's just 20 minutes, but it's all hands on deck. So everyone's having that FaceTime together. Um, and so, yes, there's 
there's hard conversations, but it's one of our key values is extreme ownership. So this concept of, you know, you take ownership of your responsibilities and, you know, do what needs to be done to fix any mistakes that happen because, you know, and that's on us as leaders too. If someone on our team makes a mistake, we take ownership of that because somewhere along the process, we we failed to train, we failed to lead in a, a constructive way. And so we make sure that um, there's no blame, but instead there's like, how can we, how can we move forward from here? Um, and then also results focused conflict if there is conflict. So yes, emotions matter, but how can we keep this as results focused as possible versus just like staying in the problem? Yeah. And you should speak to how it works in our our partnership. <laughs> I will follow on briefly from what you said, Shalan, around that collaboration, because I do think that one of the things that really sets our team apart in the market from other people who do similar things is our cohesion as a team. And that is really down to culture and all of the building blocks that we put in place to support that. Um, another thing that really helps with that cohesion is one of the things that I have, I'm always saying this constantly because it does always happen, uh, but I want to help the culture of the business move forward productively um, when bad things do happen. And so what I continually say is, um, at What Advertising, we support a lot of small mistakes so that we can accomplish great things. Because everyone makes mistakes. We make mistakes, the team makes mistakes, and um, <clears throat> we've occasionally made some big mistakes with clients. Um, and, and, and these things just do happen. Uh, but one of the things that's really helped us stay cohesive and especially to retain some of our core team members is they know that if they do make a mistake, we're just gonna work on the solutions. We're gonna say, right, it happened. How can we learn from it? How can we make sure that this doesn't get carried forward in, into another situation? And I think that gives the team a level of security that is probably lacking in most other workplaces where sometimes if things go wrong, you're walking on eggshells, you're wondering if you're about to lose your job. Mm -hmm. um, and we make sure we keep the big picture in mind with our team. We know that at a core level, um, our core team members are performing to a very high standard. And so when smaller things do happen, it's just a learning opportunity. And it helps us to do so much better in the long run as long as we do take it as a learning opportunity instead of a chance to um, be horrible to each other, which is something that um, pops up as a dynamic in the workplace all too often, I think. <clears throat> yeah, that's a really So that's what point. I take from that. <clears throat> and that's bought me some time to think about this um, harder question. How to but, run a business with your spouse. <laughs> the first thing I'd say is I wouldn't recommend it for everyone because I do think that it requires a particular balance of personalities. And Shalana and I, we do happen to have that balance. Um, and it works for us particularly with our business because I'm much more of the visionary, the creative side of things. Um, <clears throat> I, I, I lead up all the sales I mentioned, you know, I'm very sales focused. And Shalane is extremely good at personnel and Shalane is extremely good at systems. And so we balance each other out in our perspectives with all of the responsibilities that we, that we both have individually. <clears throat> and that leads to very productive conversations where we, 
often have our blind spots revealed very quickly um, instead of waiting several weeks or months for a very bad situation to occur. So a lot of it's down to communication as well. We check in a couple of times a week as owners and there are what advertising owner meetings. And essentially what we do there is we make sure that we're on the same page about things. And there are certain things that are cross department situations that do need a bit more of an advanced discussion. And Shlan and I bounce each other out very well. It'll be very common where we'll get into it about a particular issue and then we'll disagree and then we'll separate and we'll like go and think about it and then we'll come back and we've just completely switched opinions we both think oh you had a great point here it's like well no i thought your approach was actually better now i've thought about it and then that really helps us to bring out the best out of both of our perspectives around how something should be handled so yes it helps with us and we're married and doing that helps with our marriage and it helps with our business but i believe that dynamic is the key thing like Whoever you're a business partner with, whether it's someone in your family or not, having that shared communication and that balancing of skills and bringing out the best of each other's personalities is what's going to lead you to the best solutions in the long run. So I would say it's a deeper dynamic that really serves us that could be applied absolutely anywhere. Yeah, it's funny. I have another uh, client that we work with or a client that we work with that they're a partnership as well, but they're just two friends. And I, when I asked them the question, they were like, well, first thing is that we wouldn't recommend it for anyone else. <laughs> and so yeah. it just kind of shows like, you know, you guys can make it work, but there's a level of humility, I think, that comes with that the, the success for both of you, both sets of partners, is that there's mm-hmm. a level of humility that comes with being like, it's actually like really effing hard and like it's like we can accept that and you know embrace it whereas like if you're kind of like oh this is no biggie like you're not really going to be prepared for that type of communication that's interesting yeah absolutely i mean it's um it's a deep growth opportunity every day like you have to grow in order to make it work if you're just like hardlining on everything which don't get me wrong we have our moments we're we're very our meetings are very spirited (laughs) (laughs) we follow we follow a lot of um the book traction and Mm -hmm. so like that's how we kind of outline our meeting structures and i if i have a informal job description at what advertising it is the professional cat herder because we have a (laughs) lot of creatives on our team and so it's my job to make sure that creativity is going in the right direction so a lot of times I'm like okay Sam like here's all that you need to oversee this week and sometimes you don't like that but then sometimes I really don't like things that you do and so but but we're very focused on the same vision so at the end of the day it's like it doesn't matter I think the hardest part is like okay where does our marriage fit in on all of this because we we love what we do so much we love serving our team and our clients and getting them awesome results with Google ads. And we can get so obsessed with that, that we like, you know, need to check in on the marriage front as well. So we're, we're constantly learning, like, where's that balance? Where's the best place for date night? Like, you know, there's, there's a lot there. Yeah. That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. When my husband and I met, we were working together and we very early on made a rule that we weren't going to talk about work outside of work and it's kind of funny like we've been mm. together for 13 years and I don't know if he even knows what I do for a living <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> but like there's <laughs> we really don't talk about it and 
even to the point Whoa. of like being like I'll know I know a little like we know about each other's jobs like he hears me on calls like I was joking for sure but it's definitely like I'm not going to vent to him about my team like I'm not going to vent you know we're not going to talk about and we're not even in the same business and it's really important for us and you know we've been together for a long time so I think if you're a driven professional ambitious person it's really helpful to have there be space at some part of your relationship you know to not talk about that and so I can imagine for you guys it'd be super intentional because you can't avoid it all the time you know so yeah that's yeah, well, hard well, question for you on that question <laughs> for you Kira do you and your husband both work from home yep as well <laughs> yeah well so, so what's that so what's that dynamic like because that's um a very it's a lot pertinent, of work energy yeah it's a lot of and like work energy that's in you know, a house or mm -hmm. an apartment or wherever yeah. it might be. And it's something that people are dealing with a lot is like, how do you find that balance? How have you found that balance? You know, I think it's part of it is we do, we live in a house. It's two stories where our offices are on completely other ends of the house. When we leave the office, we leave the office. So it's not a really a multi-use area necessarily like yeah like we have like sleepovers of our nieces and nephews here or eric will we have a gym we have gym equipment down there but like our peloton isn't in there you know like little things like that like it feels like when he leaves okay. his office and i leave my office we just kind of leave it but i think that that just goes back to like when we first started dating we were in really high pressure sales jobs so it took over all of our, mm. our whole life so it was really important that we established that foundation and i think it just kind of carried on like he knows about my team he knows when we're in a launch he celebrates when we get a big client you know we i also have a full-time job which like i think shalane knows about but samuel you're probably like what the heck um he does he knows my like we have he has relationships with my team of directors and managers that i manage there um so yeah of course there's like relationships and you know troubleshooting or i'll bring up a something here and there but generally like when we leave our offices like that's where the work lives. So if there's times when I'm on, he'd be pissed if I didn't mention this. If I'm on my laptop and we're watching TV at night or something, he's like, I always know it's not like shopping or you just like screwing around on Canva when there's a lot of typing. So he knows like not to like overstimulate me and pretend like I should be paying attention to whatever TV show we're watching to watching. But for the most part, like that's something I've just like you, Samuel, like I have to work away from working all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I, that's why we have a team, you know? So it's really a challenge, and I think centering that we keep our work where it is has forced me to also learn to delegate a lot more quickly and to build a whole business on it, you know? So it's a good question. I'd love to hear, mm -hmm. like, a lot of other business owners' answers for that, especially as entrepreneurs. We live and breathe what we do. But on that note, my no. very last question for you is I want to know a little bit about why someone would choose to go down the route of Google ads and kind of if they can only invest in one of these paid ad strategies, why would Google ads, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but especially for small businesses, for entrepreneurs that, you know, it's all kind of on our shoulders. We have small teams that we're running payroll, you know, all this stuff is going on. We have a, let's say we have a smaller amount of money to invest, like, I don't know, I'll just say like a few thousand dollars a month. Why would you encourage us to throw that into Google ads versus something like even Pinterest or Instagram or Facebook or, mm -hmm. you know, why would, what would be a key component there for you guys to get people on board? Great question. Um, I'll use, I'll use a, 
I'll use a memory device to help you all sort of remember what to keep in mind and what to hold in your mind as <clears throat> important when you're going to invest in any sort of paid ad strategy. We're going to go right back to the mushrooms. So I talked about the mycelium network underneath your feet, right? You're not going to get me to shut up about mushrooms on this podcast. It's not going to happen. So this, so this mycelium network, it goes down so deep. And without this mycelium network, you don't get the mushrooms, the medicinal gourmet mushrooms that you see springing up all over the place. And it's the same with advertising. <clears throat> without some of the underlying structures in place, if you throw ad spend at it, if you just try and advertise your way out of a situation, you're not going to get the results you're looking for. So your mycelium network is things like LinkedIn, <clears throat> is things like your email marketing. The deeper parts of your funnel, that once you bring that traffic in, is things like your website as well, actually. Once that traffic comes in, how do you nurture that traffic? How do you build that relationship um, so that once people are in your ecosystem, and it might just be with a small package or a small sale to start with, how do they gain the trust to where they're ready to buy from, like, from you in a more prominent way? So you want to get those things right so that you can have your advertising really flourish. And that's probably one of the biggest things that we run into where people say, hey, just turn the ads on and get me more business. And well, the thing is, it doesn't quite work like that. It's not a magic bullet. You need to have the supporting infrastructure um, to be able to convert that traffic into high revenue sales. Um, so that's the first thing I'd say about it. And you're asking why Google compared to any other solution. Now, there is a place in your digital marketing strategy for just about every avenue you could think of, whether it's SEO, Pinterest, even Reddit, Twitter, any platform. Um, where Google really has its strength is with high intent traffic. So you can reach people right when they're looking for the thing that they're struggling with or have a pain point over. Um, a really good example is like I've worked with some physical therapists and people are literally talking about their pain point. They're saying back pain, shoulder pain, things like this. People are expressing their pain and what better job do we have to do as business owners and help people solve their pain and improve their lives in fundamental ways, whether it's an actual physical pain or more of like a logistical pain. Um, everyone has these pain points and you can really connect with those powerfully on Google. Um, <clears throat> and it is worth noting, Google is the gold standard when it comes to paid ads and it's why there are more advertisers on Google than there are any other advertising platform. Bing ads, for example, only has about 5% of the search engine advertising market. Um, they, they're essentially a carbon copy of Google ads. It's almost identical. And that's because Google works. It really does work. Um, <clears throat> and there's a reason that Google made, I think it was over $209 billion in revenue in 2021 from the advertising platform, which was 42% more than 2020. So this is growing like crazy because more and more business owners, yeah, it was like 148 billion in 2020. So it's just stacking like crazy because more and more business owners are realizing that Google Ads works and gets you reliable leads. Um, it does take time to get it right. But as you respond to that real-time market feedback, which is another core strength of Google Ads, you can adapt your messaging and you can adapt your keyword targeting. You can adapt things and fine tune them over time. And that's where you go from 
campaigns that, you know, get you some leads and are sort of breaking even to building campaigns that are truly profitable and make an enormous difference to the bottom line of your business. Oh, that's amazing. And it's just so, it's so refreshing to know that we can build our businesses and not have to rely on Instagram and Facebook and like all of that good stuff. But on that note, tell everyone where to find you. I know, Shalan, we've connected on several platforms at this point. Um, but where can people reach out? Where can people find you, get to know you, maybe chat about mushrooms some more, <laughs> whatever their interest is? <laughs> well, for me, um, I'm off most of social media. Um, the only thing I would actually call social media that I am on is LinkedIn. So if you want to talk to me in a DM sort of format, then LinkedIn is the place to go. Um, and you can find me just by typing in Samuel Watt. Um, and I'm the guy with the long hair. So <laughs> you'll, you'll probably find me pretty quickly. Um, and apart from that, Shalana, you've got more platforms. But apart from that, um, you can also visit our website, which is whatadvertising.com. That's W-A-T-T advertising.com. And you can, you know, submit a contact form there to get in touch with us um, if you do want to work together on something. Cool. Yeah, for me, LinkedIn is where I hang out the most, which I never thought I would say. <laughs> um, but I like LinkedIn the most out of all social media because I find it way less uh, distracting in terms of like the doom scroll and everything. So Find me on LinkedIn at Shalan Watt. I'm sure you're going to have these linked for people because we have interesting names. Um, and yeah, wattadvertising.com. Hit us up. We do done for you Google ads. And we also have a accelerator for small business owners. So you just mentioned like, what if they don't have a big budget? This is our solution to that. We train you how to fish, how to run profitable Google ads. And it's way more cost effective on a smaller budget to do the accelerator with a bunch of other small business owners. So um, that's where that's where we're filling the gap in the market. And that is my project. So if you want to come hang out with me, <laughs> join the accelerator. Oh, that sounds awesome. I'm sure there's going to be tons of people interested. So we'll make sure in link all of that in our show notes and also go listen to Shalane's podcast. I mean, if you have to pick an episode, obviously pick mine. Um, but it's a really fun podcast. It talks about more <laughs> yes. than just business. But I think the reason I really like it and resonate with it so much is that entrepreneurs think in a different way. So even when you're talking about stuff that isn't business related, I just feel so much more connected to it just because we can we have that commonality at like the core of like what we're doing day to day. Um but yeah, and then also you have to listen to my episode with Shalan, even though I'm going to regret saying this because I say something really embarrassing within the first five minutes, and I'm sure you'll be able to figure out what it's that is. It's great. <laughs> There's a little Easter egg, so you'll have to check it out. Yeah, you should link that in the show notes, your specific episode, and some timestamps, too, where they should really oh my tune gosh. in. I'll never sleep again. I'm so horrified. Well, thank you guys so much for coming. I'm so happy that you were here. I learned so much about so many things. Thanks for being here. This was our pleasure. Yeah, this was a blast. It was an honor. We'll come on to talk about mushrooms later. (laughs) If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up.